podcast, where we discuss all things agile software development and delivery. In our Too Long Didn't Read series, we provide short, practical advice on how to get stuff done. So don't expect deep discussions, but step-by-step, hands-on DIY advice that will make your life easier. Hello, this week on The Burnup, I'm going to do a Too Long Didn't Read episode on risk management. This should be a good follow-on to the one that Marcel did last time on dependency management, but this time we're going to focus on risks and issues mainly. So what is a risk or issue? Commonly in project management, uh, you're talking about raids, which are risks, assumptions, issues, dependencies. Typically, I would separate out uh, risks and issues from assumptions and dependencies. Although they're completely related, I usually track risks and issues in their own log, and then assumptions and dependencies often either drop out as part of a risk or dependencies uh, end up being in a backlog or in some sort of project plan that I track. So what's a risk? A risk is something that could happen in the future that could affect a project. Uh, An issue is something that has already happened that could affect a project. So a risk could be that you may or may not be meeting some sort of regulatory requirement, for instance, or an issue could be that you didn't uh, meet that regulatory requirement and what are you going to do now? Typically, a risk is sort of phrased in the uh, something, something, something may happen or may cause this impact. So that's the difference between a risk and an issue. Uh, there's also a thing about positive risks. There's actually, it, it's not often tracked or talk about where Something may happen in the future that could be a positive benefit to the the project, such as a regulatory change that makes things easier or funding being made available, something like that. Some change uh, that could happen in the future that could have positive risks that you might want to exploit. So what's the difference between risk management and agile versus other methodology? Well, not a whole lot. I would say probably the big difference is because you run agile projects in a more iterative fashion, you're going to be trying to do more risk, risky things up front to minimize the cone of uncertainty and, and therefore minimizing the risks. So if you have a risk identified, you, you may do some work up front to either understand more about it. You might play some spikes or something like that to understand how you might approach it. Uh, make sure integrations with certain technologies, for instance, You might play around with those technologies or spend time doing that so you have a full understanding of how you're going to do it when you come to do it for real. But typically, you you want to take riskier things up front and and minimize that risk by learning more about it. So that's probably an agile thing, whereas maybe in a waterfall method, you might have a lot more assumptions about how technology is going to work um, and you don't find out till the end that it that it actually doesn't work. So that's probably the the main difference. So how do you gather risks? You know, step one is to gather them. Uh, Usually you do this during a discovery um, or inception workshops where typically I'll have a a risk wall that's just something stuck up on the wall during a, a series of workshops. 
And anytime a risk comes up in any one of the workshops, we'll put a, a sticky note on that. And then near the end of the discovery or inception workshops, we'll actually go through and review um, each one of those risks. And that'll become the basis of a risk register. Uh, another thing you can do is actually have a SWOT analysis, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threat uh, session. And this can also be part of the inception workshops to identify risks. So once you've had a session to identify the risks and talk about them, you want to bring those risks into a risk register. So like I say, at the start of a project, you're going to probably start a risk register. Even if it's empty, you should because it's good documentation. Um, and many project reviews will probably require some sort of risk register. Um, it's just really good hygiene. So you should open a risk register, even though it's initially empty, and then start populating it as soon as you have a session to identify the risks. So what's in a risk register? Typically, it has a unique ID, and you want to make sure that that ID isn't tied to like a row in a spreadsheet, for instance, or have some sort of auto increment that where the IDs are based off a previous row in the record in the table. You want to have sort of hard-coded, uh, unique IDs, so then you can move them around, delete them, move them to a closed spreadsheet. It's pretty, pretty typical. I'm going to create a Google Sheets version of kind of a generic template that I use. It's by no means perfect, but it's something that you guys can, can reference, and I'll put that in the show notes so you can follow along. Apart from an ID, you want to categorize risks and there's a number of different categorizations. So you're going to want to avoid risks. You're going to want to reduce them. You're going to want to transfer them or share them or accept them. Um, so avoiding is trying to take some sort of action to make the risk not happen. Reducing is taking a mitigating action. So mitigation of risk means you're, you're, you're taking an action to try to lessen its impact. Transferring the risk means that you're going to transfer it to another party. Say you have a contractual risk and you can transfer that to a third party. You could share the risk. That's very similar. So maybe you take still have part of the risk, but a third party also takes part of the risk. Or you can accept the risk. And that means maybe it's not severe enough or senior management believes that you can accept the risk. And it means you're not going to take any action on it. And it's possible that risk could come to fruition. But you don't know. If it's an opportunity, if it's a positive risk, you could try to exploit or enhance it or reject it or share it. And again, positive risks don't seem to come up very often, but if they do, you might want to take action to actually exploit or enhance that risk uh, happening. When you put risks in a risk log, you're going to want to score it. And scoring is based off of probability times impact. So you might have a scale 1 to 5 for probability and a scale 1 to 5 for impact. And if it's a high probability, the risk comes um, it comes true and it's a high impact that the risk has on the project, it's going to score really high. And those are the, the, the higher score risks are the ones you're going to want to pay a lot of attention to and try to mitigate the most. Got a low probability, a low impact, you might uh, just accept it. Um, and in your review sessions, you're going to probably look at risk based off this, this ultimate risk score of probability times impact. One major thing about 
risk log is you always want to have an owner. Every risk has to have an owner and that owner, you can't just assign it to that owner and assume they're going to know it. They have to actually accept that they're owner of that risk and they have to be actively managing it. Um, that's really important. And the other thing is make sure you take uh, meticulous notes about anything that's happened to mitigate that risk. Or if you change the scoring or the probability or impact during the lifetime of the risk, make sure you record down why that changed in a notes field that's been dated and whatnot. So when people come back to look at the risk log, they actually know what's, what's happened to it and why things have changed. So next in the step, so you you're going to want to have review sessions. And throughout the entire project, you're going to be having risks or current risks are going to be changing. So it's important that you have regular review sessions to either update risks or bring new risks into the project, into the register. Um, risk review sessions are not fun, but it really has to be done. Nobody likes to do it. Everybody hates doing it, but it really needs to be done regularly. And I think a good frequency is probably once every six weeks around then more often if you feel the need to do it or I don't know you have to get a good feel for your project and how risky things are to to re review the risks one way you can make it a little less painful is if you have people review the risks that they own before you have a session so you can just kind of whiz through them and uh, make sure they've been updated and everybody's in agreement who you invite to these risk sessions? Well, anybody who's a risk owner, usually senior stakeholders who can make decisions on accepting risks, product owners who might need to prioritize the work to mitigate them, technical people, operations, etc. Uh, anybody that might be involved in risk management, it could be attached to a steerco type meeting um, because usually those type of stakeholders are in the room and it's a, it's a good reason to do it. Some companies might have InfoSec policies regarding who can sign off on risks and what risks can be accepted based on the scoring. So risk underneath a certain threshold might be automatically accepted or, or some really severe risks may need some sort of escalation where it's signed off by a senior stakeholder. So if you're joining a project or if you're in a company, you probably want to have a good understanding of how that works. So you can make sure risks are signed off appropriately and people understand what's going on. So once you have identified the risks and you've discussed as a team, you may want to mitigate the risks. This will usually on an agile process take uh, the form of adding items into your development backlog to address risks and prioritize them appropriately. For instance, doing automated testing or CICD, that's continuous integration, continu continuous delivery, is an example of risk management. You might do some work to make deploying your code to production more easily, uh, more easy and more repeatable and more stable. So that's uh, an example of risk management. Or you might do a spike, like I said earlier, you might do some spikes to prove out an integration point or whatnot. Um, so usually you'll add items in the backlog and prioritize them with the product owner to make sure risks are being addressed and mitigated. And once you get the results of some of that work, then you can go ahead and update the risk accordingly. And finally, you really want to make sure you have good metrics to understand when to act on risks. So an example of this is performance testing, where you 
may have a risk of performance in the future, but you don't necessarily want to do work ahead of time on that unless you're actually reaching the point where you feel that you need to. So you might review your performance metrics um, every week or every two weeks or every month and then say, okay, well, the performance is starting to dip because we have a higher volume of users, so therefore we need to play some work to mitigate the risk of performance. But having good metrics... Um, on on various things across the operation or operational platform will really help you make decisions about when to play work to mitigate these risks. So as a takeaway, you know, make sure you do risk management, make sure you have owners, make sure you involve lots of people in the decision making about how to mitigate those risks and escalate if you need to. That's about it. So let us know if you have any questions as always and have a great day. That's it for today's episode. Have a look at our show notes with related information and details on how to get in touch at thebarnup.com. We are listener-driven, so please do send us your questions, comments, and ideas for new episodes. We're both practitioners and are happy to discuss interesting opportunities from consulting to coaching to getting involved in actual projects. For inquiries, please visit burnupmedia.com. This podcast is produced by Burnup Media Limited under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 license, which means you can share it as long as you give credit, but you cannot change it or make money of it. Until next time, thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.